your brow today takes everything you got Taking a break from brown girl worries Let's all drink up a shot Wouldn't you like to get away? Grab your phone and download the Fudge Up Podcast right away So they keep us entertained You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where butchers put all the blame You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where porches put all the blame. Welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And Charlene, okay, a couple things. One, yes, we, you know, needed a break last month. I blame it on Mercury retrograding. It was, truly. So we did a best of, which is cool because we haven't actually done one in a while. We were like chugging on. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, October is birthday month. <gasps> Libra season. Hello, bitches. <laughs> okay, so what do you want for your birthday? Um, world peace. Okay, number two. Boots. <laughs> okay. Um, I did not get you boots. Okay. Um, I, I'm an easy person to shop for. I like everything. Okay. I love gift cards. I love coffee. I love shoes. I love clothes. I love TJ Maxx. I love yes. dishes, makeup, brute, wine. Mm-hmm. Like you pretty much name it. I'm a fan. I like gifts. Okay. Well, then I didn't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Any birthday wishes for the year? Um. Uh, you know, I'm. I just. I hope to see the next one. Okay, fair enough. Greatly appreciate that I'm still alive and kicking and feels like I'm doing better than I have been any other year. And we hope that's a trend that continues. Amen. Mm-hmm. You ever notice how we're the same age for like a month and change? I know. And, and I'm it. older than my husband for several months. And for the entirety of those months, he will not let go that I'm a cradle robber. Oh, I call I call our executive producer a cougar. Yeah, he won't <laughs> let it go for months, four months exactly. Ah, uh-huh. so here we go. You don't have to give me the side eye. I'm not the one calling you a cougar. So, <sighs> Libra season. Yes. New episodio. It is yes. episodio 43. We're almost getting to our ages. I know. Moving along. I feel like our episodios now are like in their smart forties. Oh yeah, very mature. <laughs> so wait let's test the maturity level though of this this particular episode <laughs> voting banned books and in our gather and Nuevo, we're talking a little bit about proximity to whiteness via the city council member in los angeles nuri martinez and uh yay i did not realize he changed he officially changed his name to yay but there we yay. go there was no yays no in that. no you can't even say it like yay it's no. like eh yeah. Couldn't it just been meh, 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 meh? Yeah. So I guess that is kind of mature if that's our, like, we're not farts and butt scratching. Absolutely. Look, we're all grown up. Grown up. Speaking of grown up, voting. Voting. Okay, so it's almost November. Mm-hmm. And this is an off year. We're not looking at a presidential. Mm-hmm. But... There is, you know, at least collectively in New Mexico, a push to go vote. Yes, there are several um, congressional seats, several gubernatorial races that really matter this year. Sure. Yeah, not just New Mexico. We're looking at you, Texas. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck this up. Oh, but we're looking might. at you, Texas. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that's true. But, okay, so let's backstep a couple mm-hmm. couple, and just talk about the basics. One, yes. did you register to vote at 18? I don't remember. Okay. Is voting an important thing for you? Now, yes. Ooh, t- talk to me about that. What's the now, yes? So, in recent years, it's become important to me. I think at probably at an early age, it felt important to me because it was like, ooh, it's something I can do now that I couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And then... 
I was dealing with a lot of trauma. I had a lot going on. I was in a survival state and voting did not seem like a thing that would directly impact or affect my daily life. And I feel like that is the case for so many Latina people, so many marginalized people that if your life feels hard, it's really hard to imagine that taking the time, making the effort to go and cast a single vote for or against a person is going to change how you live tomorrow. Mm. It's hard to imagine that right. when okay. you're in survival mode. So fast forward to me being in a better space, me learning, me being educated by folks around me, me reading more about elections and voting and all of that really paying attention to local elections is what got me because it always felt like the presidential election felt really important but i also felt like a tiny tiny fish in a giant giant ocean that didn't really matter but then you get to a local election where you're like oh you know what that judge made this decision about somebody that i know and care about or a case that i was personally involved in i now suddenly give a shit about this judge and care whether or not they have that seat. And who gets to say whether or not they have that seat? Well, lo and behold, it's people that go vote. Or a state representative who manages my district where I live and say, the streets are all fucked up. Or there's this particular thing that I'm like, yeah, me and all of my neighbors agree on this particular thing because we've talked about it, or I see the signs in their yard, or we've had these conversations and agreements And then there's this representative who is expected to then carry this idea forward with a vote and they don't do that. And then it's like, wait a minute, but why are they there? They're literally there for that purpose. Well, that made me start thinking, okay, I not only does my vote matter. What we have as people of color is collectivism. What we have is the power in numbers. And that's literally vote go vote in numbers so if we all say the same shit it's going to make a difference and eventually maybe not tomorrow but eventually it's going to get to a place where it resembles more of what we think and feel and know as humans living in this place but it took me a long time to get there okay that's fair i mean i think that happens for for some folks as yeah. well they're like uh disenchanted with the whole thing especially after seeing things like i'm not even talking about 2016 let's reverse it all the way back to gore bush where there was a whole fucking debacle about the hanging chad (laughs) the (laughs) and then gore won the um popular vote but didn't win the um Oh, electoral the college. electoral college which is very confusing for people and mm-hmm. they're like wait a minute what do you mean the popular so isn't it how many people voted is the thing like that should be the thing and then you hear that that's not the thing and it's like what the, why did i even go why did i even bother it feels rigged mm-hmm. to begin with right and and then some of those things are valid yeah wait i should say asterisk some of those things are valid I'm not saying that we need to conspiracy theory on all, every single election that this, that, or the next was happening. No, but I, I think some of those things of like, does my vote really count in terms of popular vote mm-hmm. versus the electoral co- college and not conspiracy theory? But that being said, um, I, I, I was a kind of a different, I, I came from a different background in terms of my father voted very regularly Mm -hmm. and when my mom was eligible to vote she started voting regularly Mm -hmm. and that was that was a big deal but I was motivated by offsetting my father's vote Mm -hmm. so he he was a registered democrat in Texas he was a, an educator, was part of the union, all the things. But his his quote-unquote values did not always align with the Democratic Party mm-hmm. on a variety of levels. So, for instance, um, I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. Wow. And by the time I turned 18, I was like, oh, I'm at this point we didn't even live in the same state but I had it in my brain like I was going to offset the values that he espouses when he goes into the voting booth Mm -hmm. even if we're a state away I'm doing this on sheer spite (laughs) 
that if that fucker can vote his quote unquote values, I can sure as shit vote mine. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love my father in, in different ways, but you know, we were on the opposite ends of some things, like LGBTQ rights. Right. Like racism. Mm-hmm. So I was very highly motivated to, to be the antithesis of him, but also very mo- motivated to see like my mom going to vote mm. and how important that is to her. She still votes. Love it. So I have voted for pretty much in every election cycle, my, you know, minus one, including the, in, like the ones that are not the, the presidential ones. And as of late, it's become more important to me to vote especially at the local level because like you were saying like that judge or what have you but also that sheriff yep that school board Mm -hmm. those things that are incredibly close to home have a huge say which i'll actually tie into the banned books piece that we're that we'll talk about next but they have a big say in what goes on absolutely and if you're disconnected from that feels hard to then complain later about what's happening because well it doesn't feel hard to complain it's easy to complain about what's happening later but you could have had a little bit of a say in that had you voted or showed up to these meetings or been involved in some sort of way I've made it a point to take my daughter with me to go vote several times just so she can be part of the process and see that like this is a thing we do I want her to think and understand. And when we come across, and you know, not that long ago, we interviewed some of our local elected officials here in Las Cruces. I point out people to her like, oh, they're a city council member or a state representative or whatever it is. And like, what does that mean, mom? And we go through the whole process of people voted for them to be able to help make decisions for all of us. And I just want her to know what that means. Not that I'm trying to say, oh, and they, they want this or they want that. That doesn't matter. But the fact that you feel empowered to choose who gets to say something for you and represent you matters. And I want her to know that. And all of these things, like the reason I vote, the reason you're, you vote, there are just as much valid reasons. I don't want to say like that for me, my way is, you know, if you're not voting, you have no reason to complain. I used to have that mindset and I have turned the corner on that because mm-hmm. it's like, some people never get that chance for a lot of reasons, um, can only get that chance once they're off papers. Like there's a lot of reasons that yep. people can't or don't. And they should still have a say because at the end of the day, whoever is up there is in theory representing all of the constituents or whatever subset of, of constituents. Fair. And it, it is a different opinion. My opinion on that has evolved. Absolutely. For example, my dad is a person who was a Vietnam veteran who refused to vote for a very long time because he felt disenfranchised by the government. He felt like, why would I bother to give them my opinion or my thought in the form of a vote if they don't give a shit about me? Why would I, why should I even care? And then the Trump election Mm. happened and he went to vote because it suddenly mattered to him so much that he was like, oh my God, shit's getting out of control. I have to go say something. It suddenly mattered to him enough to go and vote. And now he votes regularly again. But it took him feeling emotional about what was happening again to make the effort to get there to a poll. Kind of the beauty about voting is that you could skip out on some seats. Sure. Like you can, if you, if you are just like, you know what, local only great okay Mm -hmm. vote in your sheriff vote in your dog catcher vote in city council whatever you don't have you there's no one that says you have to vote for every single thing on any given ballot yep and that's i think people may have a misconception about that Mm -hmm. like i have to vote for every single thing so if i have to vote for it all but i don't want to then i'm just not going to vote at all and you can just skip out on a few things, which whatever, that's your purview. You get that right to do it, not do it, do it halfway or whatever that looks like. And the other thing that I think people look at is, oh, but I'm going to be called for jury duty, mm. which I mean, 
I'm of the mindset that even if you are called for jury, jury duty, like when, if you were ever in that situation, wouldn't you want someone who is more in touch, looks like you, represents you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. love my old people, love my older audience, but they don't, they may be out of touch in some ways about what's going on and the realities that you might be facing. So I would want someone to be like part of that jury. Someone who has listened to as many crime podcasts as me <laughs> should be on a jury. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Like I should be up front and center ready to, to cast my vote there. And one of the things that I, <laughs> I think about because we really bonded over cereal Yes, and how Adnan um, mm-hmm. was incarcerated, and mm-hmm. because of that podcast, a resurgence of podcasts. But also, yes. they mm-hmm. vacated his sentence, and mm-hmm. now they're not going to further pros- prosecute. Yep. Like you would want the jury to to be as aware of a, you know as many things as possible to be able to give you a fair trial. All of this to say, like, I get it. There's a lot of reasons why people don't. Absolutely. I'm hoping that some of these don't hold people back. Mm -hmm. I, for one, have been called to jury service twice in my entire life. Both times was when I was living in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and I was working at the ACLU of Southern Southern California. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) Both times they dismissed me. I imagine when that. they asked where I worked, they were like, "Thank you for coming in." Bye. Get okay. out. But it. I mean, it's there are many, many people who feel disenfranchised by the government, who feel like the criminal justice system has done them wrong. Why would they bother to engage in that civic engagement? Right? Like, why would I put myself in that position when these people have done nothing but harm to me and my people? And. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough... I, I get it. I get it. And there are several people like folks who are living with convictions who may have had their voting rights taken from them that now have to go through extra steps to be able to mm-hmm. vote again. I get being like, why would I... First of all, I'm going through so much shit trying to get my own life cleaned up. Right. Why would I bother to go through the extra steps to go vote in a system that has treated me like shit? Got it. Why would I want to be registered and tracked in another system that has treated me like shit? Why would I want to do that? And if all of those people with such expertise in how the system has failed us as people of color, as queer people, as moms, as all of the folks who have been intentionally oppressed over years and years and years, if all of those people went out and voted our values, shit would change. That's a very interesting thing because one of the notes that I jotted down for today was when you vote against your best interest. Mm -hmm. So I see that clearly. um, I'll speak speak in my experience for the LGBTQ community. Like I don't sometimes understand and this may be either a shortcoming or just it's just inexplicable to my brain, but I don't understand why some queer people would vote for a party or a person mm-hmm. that the platform or the human doesn't believe they deserve equity, doesn't believe that they should be in a relationship doesn't believe that they need to be ex- to be have protections or extended rights it boggles my mind that is the complicated piece and we hear about one issue voters all the time mm-hmm, meaning mm-hmm. i feel so strongly for let's throw out abortion because it's so highly politicized right or against abortion i am going to attach myself to this person who is espousing the exact same thought that I have regarding that issue for or against I don't care what else they stand for because that is the thing that I'm going to go check that box for or against and then you lose every other complex piece of the puzzle in that moment and that's where we're at we have these highly politicized issue areas gun control abortion tough on crime like there's all these messages that get like i 
I don't watch regular TV ever, but I've been at my mom's house a lot lately because we had family visiting, so she has the news on blast constantly. (laughs) Messaging is so tricky, right? Like the way that people use words sticks in your head. So one thing I keep hearing is Biden's inflation, Biden's inflation. If you're tired of Biden's inflation, if you don't want to deal with Biden's inflation anymore, and those two words get paired together. So what happens is people start making a connection between our current president and having to pay more for shit that we don't want to pay more for. So last you know, year when you went to the grocery store and paid two fifty seven for a dozen eggs, and now you're paying four fifty seven for a dozen eggs, and you're pissed about it because it sucks because you can't feed your family, you can't do what you want to do anymore because now groceries are ridiculous, gas is ridiculous, and now these messages because you've heard them over and over and over, whether or not you know if they're true, whether or not you know where it came from, some people might take the time to research, but other folks who have not. You're suddenly pairing it with this name and you're like, there's somebody to blame for this. And that is the person that I'm going to hold this against. And I'll be damned if I'm going to vote for that person or anybody that that person supports because it's affecting my daily life. And if we had the power and if we paid attention enough to make all of these issues like LGBTQ issues, if we had a way to get the messaging out about you might like the one thing that this person is saying, but also understand that these are the million other ways that they can impact your life, the way you live every single day, things might be different. Right. And oftentimes, like, there is no such thing as a perfect politician Mm -mm. or a politician or a a public official who is going to agree with you 100% of the time. I, I would actually not like that because I want to have good and healthy discourse. So I'm not a one issue voter, but right. uh, you know, oftentimes you don't have, like you were saying, the time to research things, not because you don't want to, mm-hmm. not because it's not of interest, but damn, you're holding down two jobs to try to, you know, feed your family or, or one job and trying to do whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it, it's not a one, it's, it's not a one single or it shouldn't be. I don't know. I hate to sound elitist and I think it sounds like I'm coming off as elitist, but I'm, I don't, I'm trying to hold space and hold understanding for the plethora of what it looks like to vote, including individuals who vote, vote against what seemingly would be against their interest, including black and brown people mm-hmm. who like black and brown people who voted for Trump or black and brown people who vote for DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Things that I can't fully grasp. Right. But it's it's so complex and it's more than one piece of the pie that they're dealing with in, in any, any given time. A thousand percent. And it's the, the issue of it being so complicated often disenfranchises people who are just trying to survive. And that's the majority of people in this country. Those are the people who, if they came out in numbers, shit would change. Mm -hmm. But they are so busy living that this, in the hierarchy of what's important, I don't give a shit about going to the polls on voting day because I'm not going to leave my job. I'm not going to get a babysitter. I'm not going to leave my elderly parent who I'm caring for. I'm not going, there are all these millions of decisions that you have to make to sacrifice that time to get to a poll or to put in that absentee vote or whatever it is, whatever it is to have your voice counted, quote unquote. And then if your, you know, team loses, it feels like, why did I even bother? Right. Why did I even fucking bother? So I get it when people have the best of intentions and want better for themselves and also feel like that is so far away from my reality. Why would I even bother? So we're here to tell you, if we all bothered, it would matter. Regardless of how you vote, if you research it even a tiny bit and there is a ballot with 18 different decisions and you leave all of them blank but three because those are the three you know about, go do it. Make a plan. Mm -hmm. Please go do it. It matters. It matters that we are represented. Whatever your views are, whatever your thoughts are, it matters that we are represented. So just do it. Make a plan. Kat, all of this 
also to say that people in power get to make decisions that affect the rest of us. Yes. And Incl- yeah, go. Including mm. banned books. Banned books. Yes. So you are listening to the Pocha podcast. We are at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. And if we ever wrote a book, Charlene, the chances <laughs> of that book, like if you and I co-authored a book, oh. the chances of that book getting banned or or being asked to be banned in some school districts would be high because we're both women of color. It's because mostly because you're gay. queer. Yeah. <laughs> so... You as an educator, I get why, well, I have my assumptions as to why this was on your list. But I also, like, I know that you want to be an author someday. So I wonder if that, like, if banned books is in your radars and your thought process because of that. So I grew up loving to read. Loved to read. You could find me hidden in a cubby with a book. At all times. If I didn't have a book, I was reading a cereal box. I was reading the milk carton. I was reading whatever was in front of me because I could not get enough of words. And so, yes, I, as an adult, still love words, love books, love audiobooks, all the things. In fact, the other night when insomnia struck, I joined an online book club and ordered a book. It was a whole thing. This uh, just happened like two days ago. The book hasn't arrived yet, but um, I'll tell you all about it when it happens. Hmm. And the idea, I, and sometimes I pick up a book and I read a few pages and then I'm like, eh, I can't, I can't get through this. And sometimes I can come back to that book, same book, years later, and it's my jam, right? It depends where I'm at in my life and what I'm ready to accept into my brain. And that's the beauty of books. So the idea that someone else could determine what I should or should not read, even as a child, is baffling to me. And not to say that there are, there are certainly books that are of a theme or content or language that is above the maturity level of a particular group, a particular age group. Got it. Great. Just like a movie has a rating, right? But to say that a book has themes or topics that are against your own morals, that are against your particular opinions, that go against your particular views, and try to impose that on someone else, like, that's the whole purpose of a book, is to expand your mind. And the most often books that are banned, as you were mentioning, have queer themes, talk about race, are by uh, black or brown authors, For example, um, Bless Me Ultima, one of our favorite books Mm -hmm. by Rudolfo Anaya, banned all the time in all kinds of school districts across the country because magical realism, because brown people, because brown people. A talking carp. Because brown people. Yes. um, The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende, banned all the time. Uh, How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents by Julia Alvarez banned all the time um and it's it it makes you start to like turn your head scooby-doo sideways right like wait Uh what i've read these books what's the problem another banned book shockingly um the diary of anne frank and not because of the horrific atrocities upon jewish people by the nazis But because of the way that Anne Frank talks about her own autonomy, it's considered pornographic. Wow. Yeah. This entire time, I really did think it was because of... Okay. No. Guess which state has the most banned books, Kat? I'm going to go with Texas. Amen. (laughs) By hundreds. (laughs) By hundreds. Texas bans the most books every single year in school districts across the state. And I mean, it's, it's such a shame because some of these books on these lists are my favorites, which I don't know what that says about me besides mm. don't live in Texas again, but besides <laughs> that, um, 
this is how people develop opinions that are beyond their current state. This is how people learn and grow and be bigger and better than they are the moment before they read the words on that page. This is how people see themselves reflected. Absolutely. And I was not surprised to read some of the same, some of the same, um, you know, statistics that you were talking about. I actually wrote a few down. Mm. Um, first was I was looking at, well, what is it about them that are challenged, right? Mm-hmm. Sexually explicit material, mm-hmm. offensive language, which how you define it is how you define it, right? Like some people are just going to be super stickler about never cussing ever. And there's, you know, those of us who cuss like sailors, right? I'm telling you what, if you're in the pickup line at the schoolhouse yelling at your kids to get the fuck in the car, and then you're trying to ban a book because it says hell, we're, we, we have got problems. problems. Yeah. Um, material unsuited to any age group, which I'm not even sure what that constitutes, but the, those are some of the, the categories right, of right. So when we're looking at school book bans, and I got this from the Education Week, um, I guess it's a magazine, April of this year, 41% of all books that were banned in schools had a protagonist of color, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. 33% of all of those books that were banned had ex- or were explicitly about LGBTQ topics. Mm-hmm. 22% were about race and racism and this one I found very interesting. And this ties me back to, unintentionally, when we were talking about these topics, this tied me back to the first part, um, the voting piece. So only, like, people think, like, uh, it's a, a loud parent or, you know, someone's values, like, one person is making this call for everybody. Only 4% of, of the books that were banned were a result of a parent or community, 96 percent was by school administration or school board yep public officials people you vote on Mm -hmm. making a decision about for everybody not for their own kid like don't read that hito or whatever which is fine your house whatever making this decision on behalf of thousands hundreds of thousands lots of the books that are banned are banned because of an, a quote-unquote edgy portrayal of imagination and magic like Harry Potter, mm-hmm. often banned. Where the wild things are. I don't get that. The little kid book, because it's talking about children's subconscious, which supposedly makes adults uncomfortable. Um, and the fact that then the kid goes to bed without dinner, which is like starvation. Um, where's Waldo? What? The deluxe edition was, you know, barely any words. It's just illustrations. It's just finding a dude. You're finding the dude, right? Like, how hard could that be? How damaging could that be? Well, in 1987, there was, in one of the drawings, a partially topless woman who was sunbathing. People complain. And then the book got on the, like, 100 most banned books in America between 1990 and 2000. The subsequent Where's Waldo Santa Spectacular got banned from Texas prisons because it had stickers in it. What the? (laughs) I am at a loss for the individual who Mm. never made it to Finding Waldo but found the half half topless person. Right? Like probably in a bikini. Really? You failed and were miserable at Finding Waldo so you had to take it out on everybody else? I'm more concerned that you found a nipple instead of the dude with the red and white stripes like that what does that say about you what does it say about you Mm -hmm. is really my question another to kill a mockingbird oh yeah one of my favorite books of all time because of the conversation about racism Mm -hmm. that it brings up so basically any book that's going to spark any kind of deep conversation or nipples is (laughs) up for being banned I'm so confused by this. Bring the nipple back. Free the nipple. I'm just saying. Me too. So, okay. So as an educator and a mom of a young parent, like at this point, like my kids can read the fuck whatever they want. Sure. Um, as a parent for a young kid, like 
what steps would you take or like how do you react if this this happens in I'm going to go with public school setting because I know that mm. when you pay to go to a school like you kind of have some things taken away from you like you're we're not going to find the same thing at a Jewish school or at um at a Catholic school right like they're probably going to have restrictions but as a mom of a younger person what goes through your brain when when that would happen in in their school or in that district I should be the one to say what she's able to read or not because I should be trusted as a parent to understand her maturity level, her vocabulary level, her ability to reason through heavy topics like racism, sexuality, all of these things that may happen in a book. I would also feel like it's my responsibility to to have read or to read the book that is in question so that I can say whether or not oh yeah, this feels appropriate or not, and probably followed up with a conversation. Half of the songs that she hears have language on the basic-ass radio that I'm like, oh God, why is she singing these lyrics? She does not know what that means, I hope. Uh, We're going to cross our fingers and talk about it another day. But she's exposed to these things all the time. Sadly, TV, YouTube, social media, not that she has her own accounts, but kids are exposed to these things all the time now that a book like where the wild things are is not my biggest concern right now so to me i'm i'm very much of the opinion that i as the parent should be able to have a say in what she is exposed to including books and if it requires a follow-up conversation then i will be there the other thing the huge issue I have with a lot of the times people have an issue with sexuality, it's not heterosexuality, Mm -hmm. it's queer relationship. So heterosexual couples can be all over the place and kissing and doing whatever and being married and having children and just being part of the story. But the minute it's a same-sex couple, suddenly it's over-sexualizing, which weren't we just doing that with the hetero couple so i also have a giant issue with that it's it we are as a society are over sexualizing a same-sex relationship not the storyline necessarily not the book but the topic itself does not make it inappropriate you bring up a good point in terms of like the other things that our kids like or people in general are exposed to so if you give your kid a phone but you're saying like no to this book i feel that okay, there's a little bit of hypocrisy. No matter how many things that you can do to your device to say like parental controls, this Mm -hmm. or that, inevitably something will cross the screen that if you're banning a book is just as, you know, quote unquote, untasteful. Like I'm not making that judgment call, but so why are we going this far as a school administration, as a school board, when there are so many other ways people get access and and not even just through like listening to this podcast for instance right like (laughs) watching any number of things on netflix or anywhere else commercials on regular tv i i just i don't this is one of those like we have control for the sake of having control and we're gonna wield it because we can't control other things other thoughts other aspects of life it's it's another example of thinking that if we give people too many options they'll choose the wrong one because it's not what we may choose and providing options including magic and imagination and subconscious and different versions of what families look like that might not resemble your own doesn't have to lead to the complete disaster of humanity it can be an a renaissance, an awakening, an opening of doors to people understanding things in a way that they didn't before they were able to read those words on a page. So go librarians. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> Bless them for doing Bless some of this, this hard s- stuff. Bless them. You know, I've, I've cracked open the Bible a, a time or a hundred. Mm. And in reading through, I mean, some of that stuff I'm like well, damn, really? This is okay? All right, all right, here we go. But it's okay to have the Bible out and not to have some of these books out. Like, 
that's how many people get murdered in the bible oh my god you can't even get out the first book before there's a flood before like half of humanity is gone a brother kills his own brother god's telling him to cut a baby in half like we learn about incest within the first several chapters like come on now i'm saying Uh, you know although i wouldn't be surprised if the bible itself is on the banned list at some some places i'm sure it is i i have not checked it's very violent that right it is (sighs) oh You know what else is violent? Tell me. Racism. Cat. Yeah. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and move on from banned books to... People that should be banned. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it, but... (laughs) So there's been a couple things that have happened in, in the recent past. And when you were talking about, or when we were looking over, like, okay, what do we want to talk about in the Gary de Nuevo part? These two different sets of individuals or events Mm -hmm. fell for my brain under one category, which was proximity to whiteness. Mm -hmm. So we are referring to, as of late, Ye, formerly known as Kanye, and Candace Owens, who's a conservative commentator on, I guess it's Fox, I'm, I'm actually not quite sure, I don't follow her that closely, but they both show up to a Paris um fashion week event paris fashion show Mm. wearing shirts that on the back say white lives matter Mm -hmm. and it's cringe factor Mm -hmm. and he is dead set well they are on this idea that black lives matter is reverse racism so they're now trying to call attention, mm-hmm. saying it nicely, to White Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really, I was like, okay, you know, free speech. But at the same time, I'm like, bro, at the end of the day, if, a, and I hate to use this as the one like f- factor that is, of violence or of concern to a black body and black autonomy. But if you're pulled over by the cops, your chances of not making out of that situation are greater than. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple other things that he's done as of recent. There was an anti-Semitic post on Twitter. There was um, also a clip of an interview with him on Tucker Carlson, who's also cringeworthy. Um, where he's talking about how the media is um, is like making fat bodies, which he calls unhealthy, like a thing. And so this is black genocide. Mm-hmm. Like the media is doing black genocide by promoting this f- fat or thick body. And again, he is saying it's unhealthy. But so he's had a couple of these things in a row where he's really out of pocket. IMHO. A couple things. One, maybe more than a couple. One, white lives matter completely devalues and gives the giant middle finger to the black lives matter movement. Mm -hmm. Number two, it calls upon folks who I don't see color and are low key racist ass to say, look, even Kanye and Candace mm-hmm. think white lives matter and we're all just part of the human race completely ignoring the statistics of how shitty we treat and have treated black and brown people in this country since colonization number three his tweet or it wasn't a tweet it was an a post until he got kicked off of everything and then fucking Twitter took him back but He's going to go DEFCON 3 on Jews. First of all, it's DEFCON. First of all, get your fucking shit straight. If you're going to say it, um, DEFCON actually is defense ready condition, which is a government term for being ready for an attack. So you're not going DEFCON on anybody. It's not a fucking thing. You're an idiot. That's what that tells me. 
And then there's people, well, he's bipolar, he has a mental illness, all these other things, and conflating all kinds of, well, he's, and yes, free speech. And you know what my free speech is? He's a fucking dumbass, and he's perpetuating bullshit that we don't need any help with. So his wanting to be the next president, his loving Trump, his loving Tucker Carlson, his loving Candace Owens, his White Lives Matter, all the shit. You know what, bro? You and your free speech, please go buy an island and stay there and don't ever come out. And that's why in my brain, I was like, oh, proximity to whiteness. Like Mm -hmm. you are living this life where you think you're getting some power by being aligned. And you're right. There is a conflation with mental illness and these very real things that are Mm -hmm. racist. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to have a conversation that is in. I don't want to say intelligent, but for lack of a better term, that is an intelligent conversation base ass where you're like bipolar doesn't excuse your racism. Racism is not a mental disorder. There are two different things because you know, someone's going to be like, Oh, you're getting on him because he's, he's got a mental illness. No, I'm fucking getting on him because that's just such shit. And And then, and he's also saying, and, and I can't be racist because black people were originally Jews. So I can talk oh, yeah, all the I shit I want that. about Jewish people because I can't possibly be racist, which there's a whole conversation about whether black or brown people can be racist because there's this power structure that, you know, if, if I don't like a person uh, who's darker than me, is it truly racism because I don't have power over them? Is it just colorism? Like there's all these things. Regardless, you are stirring up some dumb shit that has zero bearing and just gets everybody riled up over what the exact things we're trying to combat. It's infuriating. Infuriating. And, and it's, it really is hard to talk sense into some people who are using this as they're like, see the good black person who is also stating the things that I have been saying, but now yes. it has credibility that, because right he's rich. saying it. Yeah. Because he has money. Mm-hmm. Because he's rich and has been accepted into these circles of people with money, including affluent white people, he now matters. And because he's saying something that I agree with, it's right. Mm-hmm. Even though the hundreds of black and brown people that have come before him that may or may not have had money have said something opposite, and I don't give a shit about it and don't need to pay attention to it. Now it matters because I agree with it, and he has a platform. And if he had a different opinion, they they wouldn't like him. No. Like, it, he would not be in those circles at all if he wasn't he saying would be things Colin to Kaepernick. get them. Exactly. <laughs> he would be Colin Kaepernick. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's, oh, it's just, it's that halo effect or, you know, that like bias where, oh, I agree with this person. I'm suddenly going to uplift what they're saying and make it more valid because I agree with it already. Not that I agree with it because they're saying it, but I already agree with it. And now that the person saying it is black, oh, well, it just gives power to everything I've been saying. Mm. What the actual fuck? Next on the list though, Kat. Oy. And folks are blowing up about this right now. As they should be. As they should be. Nuri Martinez, who is the first Latina to become council president in LA. She's a city council member, which is a big deal. People, Mm -hmm. we keep talking about representation matters. We want our people in positions of power. We want to elect people that look like us so they can vote like us, so they can be like us, so they can tell the folks sitting at those important tables what it's like to be us so that we can have a voice and then what does she do oh she shoots off at the mouth and you know in this conversation that was recorded so it's her a couple other city council members and then president of uh, a, a very powerful union in los angeles so they're having this conversation you listened to it i read about it but she uses terms about a black little boy mm-hmm. who is the son of one of the other city council members that is so egregious to use. Mm-hmm. And there's no context of which makes it okay. And I, I'm like, when you, when you were like, you know, 
city council member. I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? So I had to look it up and I was like, mm. are you kidding me? No. So I was reading about it and I was like, oh, my, okay. Wow. People say dumb things all the time. Obviously, we just talked about people saying dumb things. Then the LA Times released the audio recording. I was floored by the audacity. Just the, it was horrendous. And like you're saying, so there are things. So she's talking about this, the other councilman's child who is black and saying he was misbehaving he was running all over the place he was jumping all over the place but it's a changuito he's like a monkey right mm. which we can say she's saying that because he's black mm-hmm. or i might say that about my own kid who's all over the place who's running around jumping doing all the things Okay, so even even if I could have given her grace, even she goes on to talk about how this person only brings the kid out during the MLK parade. No, it it just becomes like, oh, like bro, I was trying, I was trying, I was rooting for you. I was to do the right thing, rooting for you, and then could not under any circumstance in any context root for you anymore and it got bad to where I was just like I can't and and what it really made me think about and then to learn the council member who she's talking about is white Mm -hmm. she is not she's Latina child is black he also has a same-sex partner a husband Mm -hmm. don't know the circumstances of that family dynamic doesn't fucking matter right I cannot imagine hearing a recording of one of my co-workers talking about my biracial daughter in the way that she i would want to punch somebody in the fucking throat like i would not be able to manage myself if i heard very clearly and that, i mean and it and it goes on and on they're talking about redistricting she's talking about um people in a particular district who are uh, Many of them immigrants. They're short. They're dark-skinned. I don't know what village they come from. Talking about them as though they're other. Like they Mm -hmm. are so other. And essentially talking about how to just dismantle their vote to her benefit. And it is... Appalling. It is appalling. So one of the extra layers when I was reading about this whole thing, because you had mentioned that the the parents of the little boy are in a same-sex relationship. And it does, I'm not saying it's about LGBTQ all the time, but I did wonder, like, mm-hmm. would she have said this same okay. thing if it was just okay. like a couple yep. that adopted a child? Mm-hmm. Like, certainly she wouldn't have said that about a couple who adopted a Latine child. Right. This was a very specific, very targeted, and adding in there that she would give him a beatdown. Yes. And that, I think that was like the, this is so far beyond the pale. Like, not that I would have forgiven the other shit, but it's like. No, it just digs this and is, digs and digs. We talk hole. about the violence that people face all the time. Right. And this adds to it. This perpetuates the okayness mm-hmm. of even talking about violence for someone who is so young i saw pictures of this little boy so young Mm. and it doesn't matter their age because there's always going to be that threat of violence even in jest right and it's fucked up that it came from one of our own like i'm like i mean it's fucked up that it comes from anybody but but it makes me more mad yeah because it's it's unfair but it makes me better you fucking know you should know better how many how many doors did you have to beat Mm -hmm. down to get where you're at how many people were telling you you were an inspiration and they looked up to you because representation matters and this is how you use your power it just feels like a slap in the face and it feels like a reason for people to go oh look that's why they shouldn't be in those positions Mm -hmm. and yes 
are we expected to be perfect? Absolutely. Are we expected to do more than a regular white person would be in that very position? Absolutely. I hate it. And that's how it is. And there's no fucking excuse for this. Like there is zero excuse for this. It makes me so angry. And if it makes you angry too, which I hope it does, Mm -hmm. I call on you to question and think about the ways that you talk about dark-skinned people in your family and at your table i question how you talk about the negritos at your table in your family i question how you talk about same-sex couples in your family trans people in your family what do you let go and what do you think is okay to say when you don't think anyone else is listening yeah because at at any given point you could be recorded but that should not be the threat that makes you say the right thing what may which should make you say the right thing is just being someone with integrity and saying the right thing like that should be it recording or no yes and it is interesting how we call out and my brother and Mm -hmm. i had this conversation over the weekend um he so in a zoom meeting with our family a while back we were talking about the washington um team that recent the football Mm -hmm. team that recently changed their name Mm -hmm. and how some of the family was like i don't understand why and what was what did it matter and my brother was like well, no one ever says the Arizona wetbacks or the this or the that, right? Oh. He gave a couple uh-huh. examples yep. and it really did stir the pot. And mm. when I talked to him about it, I was like, you know, Al, like if I were to say it, it hits different. Sure. They'd be like, oh, it's it's Kat. She's she's, she's a woman and she's, and she's gay, like mm. f- always mad, all the things. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the political correct. Sure. But when he says it, a veteran of the Iraq war, someone they look up to, a guy, Mm. it hits different. And so I told him like, there's sometimes that I don't step in when things happen because I know I'm going to be shot down and my voice is going to be overridden. That shouldn't be an excuse. And I should stand up, you know, for some of these things, but it's like, I know that I'm not going to teach some of my family, some of these things because Mm. having to break down how their proximity to whiteness has influenced their stuff it just it's gonna have a greater impact if my brother says it than if i do the messenger matters oh uh, yeah the messenger matters and i'm like already the lavender sheep who has already gone off the fucking deep end the lavender sheep yes (laughs) (laughs) that's a lovely color thank you i'd imagine that if you like touched a lavender sheep that like a lovely little aroma would also come off of its little pelt i imagine that a lavender sheep would be like cotton candy and would be so tasty yes yeah i like that Mm -hmm. Mm, okay i'm sugary i like Mm. that um but yes it's so if this makes you mad and i get it we as pochas have dealt with the need of our people to have a proximity to whiteness to survive we have been called to fight against other black and brown people to claim our position in this world to claim our survival to claim our birthright in this world we have been taught that that is the way to succeed in the united states of america and i want to call bullshit Mm. i want to call bullshit And I want to say that if we as black and brown people said, hmm, let's stop blaming the people that look like us. Let's stop calling out the people that have darker skin than us. Let's actually look at one another as kindred spirits, as people with a similar experience in this country and really look at where the problem lies and do things like go vote and do things like spend our money in ways that collectively matter and do things like show up in large groups where we cannot be ignored shit will change Mm, okay so i was thinking in my brain like when you're at this intersection of brown pride and assimilation you already feel like you don't Mm -hmm. fit into and sometimes it's hard to try to go back to the family and try to fit in with them in in this way that you're being loved and accepted 
so when you bring when you challenge these preconceived notions and this this alignment with whiteness are you alienating yourself even further sure. and staying smack dab in the middle of that intersection and again call bullshit and be like okay i can still call you in and have this conversation mm-hmm. without you having to alienate me or without us having to alienate each other mm-hmm. Because that's how family is at the end of the day, right? Or should be. Right. Right. And and I'm not going to pretend that it's always safe to do that. Right. I'm not going to pretend that it's always going to result in somebody's changed mind if you take this on. Or that you're going to feel better at the end of the day. Because you may very well feel worse. Like, it may end up as a shit show. And it's, it's, it's that intersection. What road do you take? And sometimes, and sometimes it may be the time to call people in and have a hard conversation. And sometimes it may be you walking away because you know damn well it's not going to matter at the end of the day. And we have to make those hard decisions. Sometimes that intersection is more than just assimilation and brown pride. Sometimes that assimilation is just like integrity. And that's a different path that you take. Absolutely. For your own sanity, your own safety. And do the right thing. Like Spike Lee said, do the right thing right thing whatever I mean and and it's okay to break cycles just because it wasn't like this before you doesn't mean it can't be like this now Mm. you can be the person to take that other path you can be the person to have that other conversation um and sometimes you'd be surprised you know sometimes you'd be surprised and it's not about being a contrarian and it's not about being righteous and it's not about being right and it's not about being woke or any of that shit it's about when we know better we do better and acknowledging our own ancestry and where we came from and how we got to this position and what privileges got us here it it changes the conversation charlene from where we started at the beginning of this to now like oh my god (laughs) in our 40s we have matured we are so mature what did i tell you i told you so our episodios are in our 40s and the episodios are maturing but maybe not that much because you know you still have me so (laughs) (laughs) we're still us every single day you know what i i know that i'm doing okay because i will never profess to know it all Mm. Snaps to that. Yeah. Snaps to that. We got to keep learning every day. That's all we got. So other people that have (laughs) put their proverbial foot in mouth. Great British baking show. Can we talk about that, Kat? Because you love this show. I do. This is your jam. I do love it. Okay, so what happened? So... The competition, as we all know, is in the baking process. They've never, and and usually in each season, they have someone or they have competitions that are based on like a theme, right? So there's like bread week, there's like whatever, whatever. So this is the first time they had Mexican week. (laughs) So the first thing that they had to to bake was pan dulce, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing, which was the blind bake, which is like... You don't get very clear instructions. You just get like mix the ingredients, do the thing. So the next thing that that they had to do, which was the blind bake, was the tacos. Okay. And then the third thing they had to do was pastel de tres leches. And I was, I I maybe I was holding a little too much grace for those individuals who may never have gone to Mexico, may never have. But the other thing was, if you're given some time to prep, you would look up a few things about the country of which you are trying to prep on, right? Like, who ha- who hasn't heard of tacos? I mean, for, for real. For uh, real. Especially on a baking, like a cooking show. Right. Yeah. So there were some, like tacky ass jokes there you know from the the two comedian hosts Mm. there was mispronunciation it was not pico de gallo it was pico de gallo it was pico de gallo it was Mm -hmm. a variety of things Mm -hmm. you know for which you know we were talking about it in the house and the and the girls were watching with watching it Mm. with us in part and we didn't say anything about it we were just like let's just have them watch with us to see what they thought sure um and and even they were like 
come on. Like, what? what is going on? Like, why are we, what is happening? Mm. Fucking do some research. You, you could have, it's not a tortilla. It's a, tor- it's not a tortilla. It's a tortilla. Like basics that you Which, may have been to me, watching. Even, if this is not your language and you have zero, it, me trying to pronounce a German or Korean word, you know what? I'm probably going to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to fuck it up. And the whole thing spiraled into a parody of the culture that mm-hmm. went beyond a mispronunciation. Yes. That was what. The sombreros, the poncho. Yeah. No jokes about Mexicans. Not even Juan. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Come on now. Come like, on. You, you you, didn't do this for, like, German Bake Week or whatever. Right. Like, S- Swedish Bake Week or, or patisserie. Just us. Mm-hmm. Just us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would give grace as much as possible about mispronunciation. But, like, we live in a time frame where we have the Google Translate. We live in a time frame where we have look up the word and they'll give you the sound of pronunciation for things. So, but TikTok was aflame Mm. with criticism of the British baking show. So, will you still watch it? (sighs) That's a good question that I have not, Mm. I don't have an answer for yet. Mm -hmm. Legit. I enjoyed that their competition on that show is not an American competition where it's like not, you know, Mm. winning $10,000. It's just people baking and we learn a few things about macarons or whatever. Mm. But at the same time, I don't, it doesn't feel good being the butt of someone's joke. It just doesn't. Do you... Have they issued any kind of apology? Have they tried to make it right? Because I have not followed up with the A hundred percent. I have not seen that they have. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I also haven't. Like I saw it on TikTok and then we watched it together because. Mm-hmm. You wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I have not seen that they have at all. People are messing it up, Kat. <sighs> They can do better. We can all do better. We can all, we do, can better. all do better. Amen. <sighs> and we try, especially on this show, to do better. We try. We're growing. Mm-hmm. We're maturing. I won't go that far. But yes, we are growing. Yeah. And so much so that we are on Episodio 43. That's a lot of episodes. I know, right? Two more and we're hitting our Ooh. collective age. Mid-40s. Happy birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday month. I love it. Libra season is alive and well. Everyone. Watch be, yourself. Be in all the balance of all the things. <laughs> and find that balance at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. All that. Where we live. Where we live. Along with a lot of you mm-hmm. living right there. Amen. Across the globe. Because, you know, I see you. I see you Spain creeping <gasps> in. Spain. I see you UK creeping in. Mm, hello. Listening in. So listen in where they can, where can they find us? We are always on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook, hardly on Twitter. We are also in your ears on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasty happiness, Mm -hmm. right there with you. Yeah. And we will be right here with you. Our um, episodios drop on the 15th. Our Weedy Weedies drop on the 30th. So we will see you at the end of the month as well, just in time for a spooky season. Mm. I love it. I love you. I love this show. I love our two listeners. You guys are awesome. There was five last time I checked. Did we drop off? No, I'm sorry. 25 listeners. (gasps) Oh, look, we grew. (laughs) This has been Episodio 43 for the Pocha Podcast at that intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.